I'm excited to bring you the word this morning. Come on, don't lean back. Lean forward into Jesus. Amen. I saw Russ Engelkar, where are you? I saw you here this morning. Did my heart good to see you here this morning. You know why? Not because he's been backslidden far from it. Actually, you are a reminder of the faithfulness of God. You remind me of miracles. Every time I see you, you remind me of who Jesus is and what He's doing in your life and what He's done. You remind me that prayer works and the Word God, when I saw you this morning, the Word I had this morning for you is He is Emmanuel. He is God with you. He is more than enough for you for everything you face in Jesus' name. Amen. The Holy Spirit is here this morning. I want to honour a couple of people this morning. I want to honour our bride and groom from yesterday. They're in the house this morning. A young couple, this, in the young couple yesterday, Les and Grace got married. They exchanged covenants before family and friends and before the living God. And I want to honour you this morning. I want to congratulate you this morning for the decision you made. It was a courageous decision. It was um, fraught with challenges because of COVID. And I want to honor you because you've put God first in your lives. Amen. God's going to move this morning. He's moving this morning. When I was uh, praying this morning, preparing for the service, I felt God just drop something in my heart. And uh, I just want to, Gareth, I want to just speak a word over you from where you are. And I want it recorded. I know I spoke a little bit of it you today, but I wasn't necessarily praying for you. I was praying for the service and I felt God drop it in. And here's what I felt God say is get ready for the new season. It starts now. It's a new season to advance in your life. You've sowed faithfulness through years of challenges and you haven't known how it was going to look. But this will be a time where you will possess the land. And the other part to that is there's a double portion coming. Expect it. You will do it. And these are the words I saw over your life was you will do exceedingly well. In Jesus' name, I decree it over your life today. Amen. Amen. Today, God wants to slay discouragement. I've got a word in my spirit for you. And this message this morning is called, There's a Fourth Man in the Fire. Say, I'm not alone. Say it again, I'm not alone. Because there's a fourth man in my fire. Amen. We're going to look in the book of Daniel. We're going to go right there now. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation, Daniel 3, verse 16. And it says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able, say is able, to save us. He will rescue us from your power. Say, He will. Your majesty. But even if, say, even if, He doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Amen. This is a powerful stand in a time of immense pressure. Wherever you are today, I believe God wants to slay discouragement. He wants to deliver people from discouragement today. Sometimes in our darkest, most challenging times, our miracles and our breakthroughs are right in front of us. They're waiting for us to step into and take hold of them. Something that's really interesting is uh, just before last Sunday, Dave spoke to me and said, do you, um, do you feel to preach? That was for last Sunday. And I said, no, 
uh, I prayed about it and I had a, this scripture in my heart. And I said, no, I don't. Um, and he, we didn't talk about what we were gonna, what he was gonna preach on last Sunday and I didn't say anything to him. But what was interesting was when he spoke on the book of Daniel, it was, um, it was right around the same scripture that God had placed in my heart. So I've got an expectation today. It's not the same message, but I believe it carries on. Amen. Whatever you're facing today, wherever there's pressure, wherever there's suffering, wherever there's heat, God always provides a river of hope, a vein of gold. We can see it right throughout the Bible. I can see it right throughout my own life. He's rescued me. And today, if you need rescuing, He wants to deliver you today. I've got to be honest with you and say, in my lifetime, my lifetime, I'm 46, I've never encountered a season like we're in right now. Like a two, 2020 with COVID, it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a national thing. It was a worldwide, it's a worldwide thing. Governments, worldwide upheavals, riots, extreme hatred, extreme laws being passed. I live in a generation in New Zealand where I've been blessed never ever to face war. But this is something we've never encountered, I've never encountered. Worldwide shutdown produces many things. A global shutdown produces good and bad. But one of the things it does when it's prolonged and there's a long period of time, it can produce discouragement. It can produce a lethargy in us. And it may be an unusual year to us, but it's not unusual to God. And Pastor Dave said last Sunday, the parallels to what's happening now in our society, in our world, in our nation, and what was happening in the time of Daniel is astounding how much it parallels. Government pressure, crazy policies, state pressure. Uh, we live in a world where everything is acceptable except God, except Jesus Christ. You can talk about anything. You can be anyone, anything. You can change. You can be anything. As long as it's got nothing to do with Jesus Christ, right? That's the world we're living in. Everything goes as long as it's not God. And this is not a new story we're facing. I'm telling you today, I'm excited. I'm excited. My eyes are on Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm not looking to the left and the right and to see what's happening around. You know what? Quite honestly, I'm not even sure what the results were. I've got a vague idea of the results of the election. You know why? Because I'm anchored to Him. I will find out today. I'll have a look later. But you know what? My eyes are on my King. That is not our answer. It's also not going to be our demise, amen, because you and I are people of the living God. We need to be people that know who our God is, amen? I want to read you a story. It's, it's fictional. It's really quick. And um, it says this, that the devil held an auction one day. He was selling his tools from his toolbox. Pride, laziness, arrogance, hatred, envy, jealousy, they all had high price tags. But there was one tool, however, that was marked not for sale. It was worn down and it looked rough. And someone asked, why isn't this tool for sale? It must not be worth much. It looks like it's been used a lot. And the devil smiled and whispered, oh no, that tool is discouragement. It's priceless. I'm not parting with it. It's my most used tool. When I use it, I pry open a heart and get inside it and then I do anything that I want. Discouragement is the entry point 
for the enemy. Discouragement can lead to feeling defeated as a Christian. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants us to forget what God has done. He wants us to forget what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. Amen. The enemy wants to try and wear you down little by little. And it's so gradual at times, we don't realize that we've moved. He erodes our faith. And if that's you here today, I want to remind you, if you're struggling with discouragement, I want to remind you of Jesus Christ and the power of what He did on the cross and what's available to you today. Discouragement is a weapon and a strategy that the enemy uses subtly to wear us down and change our thinking to this. It's no use. What's the point? Discouragement will derail you and can take a whole generation off course if we don't become aware of it and know what to do about it. Amen? No matter what you face, remember that God can't be stopped. Six million Jews were murdered and God couldn't be stopped and the people of God couldn't be stopped. We've got to remember who He is. The church of Jesus Christ will go on. It will prevail. It will progress. Amen? We will advance. And here's, back to the story, here's three men found in the book of Daniel. Three men that were able to stay their course. And unless we know the history or the backstory of the book, we think it's a moment in time. But you know what? These three men, they lived in Babylon Babylon for 70 years. 70 years of prevailing. Amen? I want to give you the backstory. They didn't quit. They didn't let discouragement sit on them. It was at a time when Nebuchadnezzar was the king. His name means Nebo, protect the crown. He put an inscription of himself that said, I'm Nebo's favorite. He was the son and the successor of his father who was the greatest and most powerful kings of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar was extremely successful. He pretty much conquered everything around him. Historians have found that in surrounding countries from where Babylon was, that nine out of 10 bricks that were used to erect cities had his stamp on them. He conquered everything. He was prideful, he was arrogant, and he was brutal with his punishments. He was feared, and Dave told us last week that he rode on a lion. He was ruthless. He succeeded everywhere he went. And one day he went, his army went into Israel. And they plundered, they besieged Israel. And they took with a whole lot of possessions, but they also took some young men, the best young men of the land. You know that it's easy to read a story and not see the context or not see the power in it, but that would be like you and I turning up next Sunday and a whole section, all of our young people gone. That's what it was like. And they took them to a foreign land. They took them to a place that wasn't like their own. They were kidnapped. Imagine what it would be like for that to happen here. We've got no understanding really in today. There are countries that are facing this right now, but in New Zealand, not so much. They were hijacked. It's estimated that they were between the ages of 13 and 17 years old. And they didn't just show faith for a time. It was a lifetime of consistent faith and somehow discouragement didn't derail them. Babylon, the, the, the place, It means pride, it means vanity, it means confusion. It means the gate of the gods. And this is really interesting. Babylon refers to a place of captivity. 
as well as a power structure that holds them there. Babylon, it's a place where you get caught, where you get trapped, where you become imprisoned. And then there's a power structure, a demonic force that would hold you there. I wonder today if Babylon is alive in you and I. If there's areas in our hearts, in our lives, where we feel caught, we feel like a prisoner, we feel trapped, and then there's a power structure, a demonic structure that would hold us bound to that thing. Maybe it's fear, maybe it's discouragement, whatever it is, self-hatred, rejection. Today, God wants to set you free. I've been looking at this piece of scripture. I don't know if you're here today and you're a parent, you'll understand the excitement and the responsibility when you find out you're having a baby and you get this incredible job of choosing your baby's name. And all that you go through, the, the screeds of names you go through, and it's really, really important. I know when we were choosing our children's names, we were looking up the meanings. Our children, Georgia means promise of God. She was our promise. Our next one was Madison. It means child of a warrior. The next one is India. It means gift of faith. Why do I know that? Because Dave and I spent a lot of time praying. And if you're a parent here, you would know the same about your children. So here we have three young men. First one's name is Hananiah. It means Jehovah is gracious. But they changed his name to Shadrach, which means command of the moon god. They changed everything about them. The next one was Michelle. And it means who belongs to God. And they changed his name to Meshach, which means who is or what is for the moon god. And the third one is Azaria. It means Jehovah has helped. It means he's already done it. And they changed his name to Abednego, servant of Nabu, who was another god. The purpose of changing their names when they were captured was that they wanted to erase their attachment to their own nation, to their identity, to their beliefs, to their religion. Taken, they were taken through an intense process, like a re-education, like a brainwashing, for three years before they entered the king's service. This would be like our young people being captured and taken off to a far off land and they had to start serving another God. They were given new names, names of false gods. That's what it would have been like. How did these young men stand above that? You know what, they rose through the ranks regardless in a nation that didn't honor God and they became known, they became leaders and captains in, in, the, in the king's service. They had great favor on them. But every possible effort was made for them to forget God. Their people, their heritage, and everything, they were, they were pressured to embrace a pagan culture, which they didn't do. This, I want to tell you today, this is a war for our identity in Christ. If the enemy can shift you or he can erase from your memory who you are in Christ, then he knows that you're a target. Discouragement does this. If we don't deal with discouragement, we start to forget our identity in Christ. We start to believe other things like, oh, it's too hard. Oh, it's too hard. I can't do it anymore. That's the enemy's desire is exactly what happened to these young men. See, that story is no different. Like Pastor Dave said last week, it's no different to today because the enemy wants to erase your memory of who you're called to be because when he can do that, he can have power over your life. Instead, these young men, they remain true to God. How did they do it? The, you, I've spent the, you know, the last few days looking at how how did they do it? How did they remain? Because it wasn't a short time. It's estimated they were there for 70 years. So if you're 13, it's 83 years 
They remained in God, never wavering, and still able to excel through the King's service and excel and lead people. Amen? This is, it's stunning. I want to say to you today, if you're writing notes, don't forget who you are. Remind yourself who you are in Him. You may have to do it daily. You may have to do it every 20 minutes. But if you need to do it that much, then do it. How do I do it? Find out what He says about you in the Word of God. The Word of God is your greatest weapon. It's your greatest weapon because you know what? It never ever changes. We've got to know the Word. We've got to have it in us. So when the enemy comes to say, that's not who you are, you say, shut up, devil. I know who I am because I know what the Word says. Amen? Come on, church. We're in a battle. We're in a battle for our identity, for who we are. Amen? I want to say this. This surprised me over the last couple of days. We hear of Daniel in the lion's den, and I was asking my kids, Dave and I were talking about it last night, how old do you think he was when he went to the lion's den? So he was captured at between 13 and 17. I thought maybe he would have been 30 or 40. He was 84. 84 years he was when he stood in that lion's den. He prevailed for 84 years or more than. That's a man of faith. That's a man of faith who lives in a pagan culture, a culture not dissimilar to ours where everything goes except God. It's the same as us, never wavered. Jesus, we need that, right? We need deliverance from discouragement. In Daniel 3, I'm just gonna move through this. It says this, that Nebuchadnezzar, and if you don't know the story, I'm just gonna do the real short version. He was so proud, he was so arrogant that he built a golden statue. It was huge. They said it was 90 foot tall. I have no idea. But Johan, we had a conversation the other day. How tall is this? Six meters. This is about six meters. 18 foot. Okay, there we go. 18 foot, six meters. Okay, this was 90 feet tall. 30 meters. Okay. You work out all your conversions. Thank you. And uh, it was huge. It was nine feet across. It was, in, it was enormous. And he put it, he set it up on these planes so everybody could see him. And we know the story, he says, he sends out a decree that when the music plays, everybody's got to bow down. And he says this, whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. The command was backed by a powerful threat. Nebuchadnezzar regarded the refusal to worship the image as treason. A burning, fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar was not a man who allowed lawbreakers. And uh, and there were some ancient readings and it says that he was described as a man that was devoted to justice day and night. There was a man. uh, so, So fiery furnaces were regular things. Not only that, there was a man who made a second uh, mistake and they beheaded him and then they put his head up and they they left it up for everybody to see as a reminder that you need to obey the king. This is serious pressure. You and I aren't under that kind of pressure. This is serious pressure. Imagine what it must have been like for these young men. They've had their identities tried to be stolen. Their names have changed, but on the inside, they're strong in God. But everything in front of them, the king, and the Bible says this, that he was so angry when they wouldn't bow down, that his face started to distort. That to me sounds like a demonic manifestation. 
He was distorting with rage. There was the king, a distorting face, the furnace, the music, the, their friends, their competitors, and all of it conspired to convince them to compromise. But God was more real. And here's the response, it was this. Let it be known, O king. This statement of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I love it because it's incredible because there's not one hint of an excuse. Let it be known. Well, you know, when times of pressure comes, it's easy to think of a thousand excuses and we use them, right? Oh, there's nothing to gain by resisting. Wouldn't we do more good by being alive? Yep, that sounds good. We're in a different place. In Rome, we do as the Romans do. You know, as a Christian, we can be in different environments and say, oh, well, I'm not in church. Oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah? We'll lose our jobs and we'll lose our standard of living. So don't compromise anything in case we lose that. After all, we're not being called to renounce God. We're not bowing down to an idol. We're only bowing down in respect of the king and honor of the music. We start to justify what we do. Another one, everybody else is doing it. We label that on young people, but I want to say, if you're older here, everybody else is doing it. We do it too. We say the same thing. It's only once and not for very long, 10 minutes. We'll just bow down. It's stupid to throw our lives away on this. But these are men that knew that 10 minutes could change their entire life, and it did. 10 minutes can change the course of your history today. All they had to do was bend the knee and worship the image. That's all they had to do. And they could have their lives and they'd be restored to positions of power and honor and status. They were headed towards an unimaginable death of pain. One that would mean giving up their lives. But they would not say a word. I want to encourage you today. Is there anything that is causing you to bow down? Is there anything that is causing you to be captive today? where a demonic structure would sit on it and you say, you know what, I've tried, but I can't get free of that thing. I want to encourage you today to stand up. Do not bow down. What are the areas in your heart? There's always a war for who and what we'll worship. We face internal pressures and external pressures, and the internal ones are the ones that no one else can see, but we see the evidence of the fruit of them. The internal ones are things like fear, Sometimes you can see that on a person. The internal ones are things like pride, intimidation, addiction, secret sin, self-hate, rejection, control. They're all internal ones. No one can see until they start to outplay. And then there's external ones that we face. Things that are happening in our nation, needing a financial breakthrough, uh, external pressures in our family, in our relationships, in our employment. In our study, government pressures, political pressures, all of it has a push on us to bow, to give in to pressure, to give in to a golden image. And every time we give in, every time you and I bow, we lose power. We lose identity every time. Every time I bow down to the fear of man, I lose power in my life. I lose, I lose identity. It's the same with you. What is that thing that holds you captive? Is it rejection? Is it discouragement? Oh, I try to get up, but every time I try to get up, He just pushes me down. That's why you and I need to be strong in identity. Amen? All 
you've got to do, all I've got to do is stay bitter, stay offended, take another drink, not allow someone who loves you to speak into your life. Stay prideful, stay angry, stay in injustice. They're all golden images. They all are. We need truth on the inward parts of us. You know what? We always have His presence. You, you don't have to ever, we may not feel it, but He's always here, right? He's always here. But we limit Him when we don't give Him access and control. So He can be standing here saying, I'm right here for you, I'm right here. But if you hold on to that pride, you hold on to that unforgiveness, you hold on to those idle words, you hold on to those bitterness, that fear, that addiction, that addictive pattern in your life you're so embarrassed about that no one here knows about. When you hold on to that, Babylon stays in control of your life, a powerful structure that you, have, you can't get on top of. Amen? Today, He wants to deliver us, and I want to speak this out. We're going to become okay with deliverance. Deliverance isn't always screaming and frothing at the mouth. It's not that. Deliverance is being set free from the living God. And sometimes it's loud and sometimes it's soft. Sometimes it's quick and sometimes it takes a bit longer. But we've got to become okay and break shame around deliverance. We all need it. I need it. We all need it. Amen? We need deliverance. We need deliverance from discouragement. We're going to become okay with that and say we're a church that believes in the power of the cross. We believe in forgiveness. We believe in repentance. We believe in no shame with repentance. And we believe in being set free. Amen? We need a power shift. And God wants to empower you again today. He wants you to get your power back. We want God to show up and deliver us. But we're still bowing down. And then we get mad at Him because He doesn't come through the way we wanted Him to come through and we don't get free the way we thought we were going to get free because it was all on our terms anyway. With this love-hate relationship with golden idols. You know, and like I said before, we justify. It was only once. It wasn't as bad as last time. It might be true. Or I'm not as bad as her. That's just called judgment. That's called justify. And becomes like a familiar blanket. And we don't even know how to function without that thing. You know a little kid with a cuddly, with a blanket, and you try to take it off them, and, uh, and they hate it. They feel like they've lost a part of themselves. Sometimes we've walked with rejection for so long, we don't even know what it feels like to feel accepted and to walk without it. We've got to start to learn to walk again, amen? So what do we do, church? You and I are the answer. We're the answer for our nation, Amen. But if you and I are stuck, we're not much good. So I want to give you some keys. They're really simple. The first one is this, is that that area that you struggle with, and I want to speak to you today if you are in shame about an area in your life, because we're going to break that today. I'm not here to declare your sin. Your thing is your thing. My thing is mine. And I want you to know I've got my things. But you and I have to come out of hiding. Amen. So as an act of my will, and you may not feel like one, you may feel not one thing at all. And out of obedience, and, and as an act of my will, I bring it before God. And I say, God, that thing, you know that thing, you've got to name it. Not before the church, that's not what it's about. It's naming it before Him. God, that thing, that thing that holds me and I feel like I've got no power. God, that thing there, as an act of my will, and through obedience, I'm breaking relationship with that thing. 
I'm going to break it. I'm breaking relationship. We're going to learn to hate the thing more than we love it. It doesn't feel very spiritual. Sometimes when I've done it, and I do it a lot, God, I come to you as an act of my will, and I, out of obedience, I confess this area in my heart. It doesn't feel very spiritual, but I'm telling you right now, when you surrender it to God, it's the most powerful thing that you and I can ever, ever, ever do. And then it's repentance. It's you and I. It's not about a big, long prayer. It's about a heart condition that says, God, I hate this thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry it's taken a place of you in my life. I'm sorry it's taken me off into things I shouldn't have been involved in. I'm sorry it's made me behave in a way that's caused you offense and that's hurt people. Amen? And then we build a resolve like from that scripture in Daniel 3. Maybe it's an external pressure. Maybe maybe you're believing for a healing or a breakthrough. And maybe today with that scripture, you would say, I know you can, God. I know that you will, God, but even if you don't, even if you don't do it the way I thought you would, I will not bow down anymore. I will not bow down to fear. I will not bow down to rejection and self-hatred. I will not bow down to uncleanness and addiction, whatever it is. This is surrender. That's true surrender. It's not working out how God's going to move on your behalf. It's letting Him do that. It goes against our flesh and sometimes natural reason, but it's the most powerful, powerful thing that you and I could ever do. I had a look, I was looking over some of the Holocaust um, testimonies from some survivors. And one of, the re- I, I, one of the questions I wanted to know was, how did so many Jewish survivors, how did they keep their faith during the Holocaust? How did they keep their faith afterwards? Because there would have been a lot of questions, we're God's people and where were you, God? But one survivor said this, my faith is a part of who I am. It is not separate to me. It is in me. It is me. If our faith today is an add-on, if it's an add-on to you, an attachment, you will struggle to sustain the days that are ahead. I'll say it again. If your faith is an attachment, sometimes I'm in, sometimes I'm out, like the hokey-tokey, you will struggle to sustain the days that are ahead. Because I'm telling you that some of the days that are ahead are going to require crazy faith, bold faith, faith that stands up against the status quo and says, you know what? I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And I'm okay if you're not okay with that. And I will love you anyway. But I am a believer in Jesus Christ. And I know He is able and I know that He will do things. But even if He doesn't, I'm still a believer in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? It's who we're called to be. It's time to step in the fire. And here's where it gets interesting. I love this. Because the time that Jesus shows up is not when they are being, when they are being confronted. They have to make their decision. These three boys have to say, have to make their decision where they stand. Jesus is there, but they can't see him. They can't feel his, you know, whatever. But there is a fourth man in the fire that's waiting for you, and his name is Jesus, and he is your deliverer. But what happens is this, is we get to the confrontation, and then we bow down and we wonder where he is. But I want to encourage you today that you and I, we need to take a step, a step into the fire. It was the fire where Jesus was seen. It wasn't before the fire. Amen? We often
often see the fire as a bad thing, but I want to say today, if you're in a process and it's hard, and there's someone speaking into your life, the fire looks like that. It looks like somebody speaking in when you can't see it and you feel challenged. The fire looks like you keep getting up. Every time you fail, you just get up, you get up, you get up. That's the fire. It's feeling all the feelings of rejection and saying, I won't bow down. That's the fire. Amen? It's those feelings when you commit and then you want to draw back, but you stay anyway and you feel uncomfortable as heck. That's been in the fire. It wasn't in the confrontation with the king where Jesus showed up. That was their part. That's our part. But as soon as they surrendered, as soon as we surrender and we give them legal right and access to the situation, Jesus Christ was in the fire. He was seen there. The fire burns. They had bindings on their hands. The fire. The um, Bible says this, that the fire burnt the bindings and it burnt nothing else. That's what the captivity is. Your fear binds you, but in the fire, Jesus Christ will break those bindings off your life. Amen. Babylon could not contain them, and it's not designed to contain you as a child of God. Don't run from the process today from the fire. Dare to stay and pray courageous prayers. Even if God doesn't deliver me, I will not bow down. The power is in the releasing of the control of the situation to God. He will meet you in the fire. If you're discouraged today, He'll meet you in the fire. Fire brings pressure. All the dross comes to the surface and it purifies, but it brings out gold in your life. Your process today is not just for you. You know what? It's also a witness to your enemies. Did you know that? Their process was a witness to their enemy. Who was the first person to see the fourth man in the fire? It wasn't any Christian. It wasn't any believer. It was their enemy. It was King Nebuchadnezzar. He said, hey, who's that? There were three men in the fire and now there's a fourth man in the fire. The enemy saw Jesus first. Today, you may feel like he's not with you when you're in a struggle, but I'm telling you today that even Satan can see the fourth man in the fire and it frightens him. It frightens him when you say, I won't bow down. I won't bow down. He knows that his time is up. Amen. We're going to look at the scripture. You may not feel like God is with you right now, but he's right there with you in your fire, in your financial struggle, needing your breakthrough, needing your healing. He's right there with you when you're facing rejection. You know this, the Hebrew number for four is Daleh. It means door. Jesus is the door. He's your doorway of hope to your deliverance. The number four also means complete. It means justice. He's the fourth man in your fire. It means stability. He will never leave you or forsake you. Whatever you're facing today, whatever you're facing today, that same fire that Jesus met the three boys in burnt up their enemies. Sometimes the way forward is having the courage to go through the fire, the fire of discouragement, the fire of loneliness, the fire of misunderstandings, the fire of rejection, the fire of repentance, and He will meet you. The words, even if, have such a power to release control to Jesus Christ. David learned, I want to just give you a couple more keys before we finish. David learned how to encourage himself when he was lonely, when he was in the midst of despair, when everyone was against him. 
In Psalm 34, he says this, I will praise the Lord no matter what happens. I will constantly speak of his glories and grace. I will boast. When he was in his worst place, when he was in his worst place, he says, I will boast of all his kindness to me. Let all who are discouraged take heart. Let us praise the Lord together and exalt his name. For I cried out to him and he answered me and he delivered me of all my fears. Others too were radiant at what he did for them. Theirs was no downcast. They were not downcast. For the angel of the Lord guards and rescues all who reverence him. Hard seasons, long seasons of hard times bring lethargy and discouragement and disappointment. So the key is this, it's gratefulness. If you and I can stay grateful, David reminded himself he didn't have anyone else there. There are times when you and I, we want someone to come and be that for us. But God wants you to find it in Him. Amen? Faith is not a feeling. It's an internal decision. It's an even if stand. What would happen? I want to put this to you just as I finish. What would happen if we became an even if generation? And I mean that generation I don't mean um, young, older. I mean the whole lot of us. We become a generation that's known as even if. We become a generation that's known that even if I didn't get healed. Whether I get healed or not, I will not bow down. Even if my breakthrough doesn't come like I think it should or when I think it should, I will not bow down. Even if I'm not vindicated, I won't bow down. I won't become bitter. I won't become unforgiving. Even if the outcome doesn't happen, I will trust my God and I won't bow down. And I'm telling you today that when we can live like that, our God will meet us in the fire every time. His word says this, I know he can. I know he's able. I know he will. But even if he doesn't, I won't bow down. You know what? I'm standing for Jesus Christ. I'm turning up. Not when I feel like it, not when it feels good. I'm turning up when it feels really bad. I'm turning up, I'm facing down my fears. When I want to withdraw, I'm showing up anyway. Amen? When I'm believing for a financial breakthrough and it doesn't come, even if he's still good, even if. When I'm believing for a reconciliation in a relationship and I know he can, and I know he will, but even if it doesn't happen in my timing, I won't bow down. I won't stop believing, amen? This is the kind of faith that's gonna change a nation. It's not a political policy. It's not anything like that. Oh, we need great politicians and I bless them today. I bless our new government today. Let it be known, I bless our new government today because it's not the answer to criticize. You ain't, we ain't gonna help anything. But I will not bow down. I will not bow down to anything that doesn't align with Jesus Christ. He is my King, He's my source and He's my Saviour. But I will not be bitter and I will not be, I will not throw out idle words either. Jesus, oh, we've got a saviour. And the enemy, he wants, to, he wants to erase your identity in Christ so that you can behave in a way that is insulting. So you can behave in a way that the enemy wants you to behave in and he loves it. That's what the enemy wants. That's what he tried to do to these young men. He tried to erase their identity in Christ, but something in them, gratefulness, 
a reminding of the Word of God, a reminding. They didn't have books. They didn't have phones. They had to remember the stories of the faithfulness of God. I know He can. I know He will. But even if He doesn't, I won't bow down. If that's you today, we're going to sing that song. um, What I'd love us to do, why don't we stand to our feet? I just want to take one minute of your time. This is a really important time. If this message has spoken to you, you say, you know what? It has been a hard season for me. I just feel like I've been in a bit of a slump. You know what? There's no condemnation. Just let's keep our focus here this morning. Let's draw on him, not on me. Let's draw on Jesus. Jesus, we honor you. We honor you today. Come on, let's honor him. Let's honor him. Jesus, we honor you. We honor you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. We honor you as the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for your presence in this place right now. If you're here this morning and you go, there is an area in my life and it feels like I've been in a Babylon. It feels like I've been in captivity and there's been like a power over my life that I haven't been able to break free. If that's you this morning, just come to the front quickly. Just come and come out of your seat this morning. No one this morning knows what your issue is. Why don't you come this morning? Come quickly this morning. He loves you. He wants to deliver you this morning. Jesus. Is there anyone else here this morning? Jesus. Jesus, come. There's people coming. There's people coming this morning. If that's you this morning. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. I feel like there's more people here this morning. I'm not going to push you. Because you've got to choose. When you get tired enough. When we get tired enough of the bondage of the fear. When we get tired enough of being mocking. When we get tired enough of our idle words that produce slander and uncleanness. When we get tired enough of the unclean jokes. I won't bow down. Come forward this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, this is between you and God. No one is listening. No one, no one, no one. No one is listening to what you are going to talk to God about. This is about you doing business with God. That's what it's about. No one is here to condemn you. No one is here to point a finger at you. That's the enemy. But this morning, if you say, this thing has got to go in my life, why don't you lift your hands to Him? I'm going to pray a prayer. But in your heart, in your own words, I want you just to say, God, I'm coming today. And I want you to name that thing. Name that thing and say, God, this thing's got to go. I renounce it and I repent of it today. And we're going to, I'd love our prayer team to come forward today. And they're going to lay hands on you. But you've got to do something. You've got to do something this morning. You've got to cry out for your breakthrough. You've got to cry out in repentance today. And then the fourth man will be released in your fire this morning. So I'm going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you for every person that has courageously come forward this morning. And I pray right now that as each person repents, Lord, as they speak words to you to say, I want this thing gone in my life.
Lord, that you would come like the fourth man in the fire. You would come and you would bring deliverance to every person here in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your presence, Jesus.